so this week has been an enormous week in news. Uh, it just kind of has seemed like every day has ha- contained like almost larger news than the last. Um, we we picked uh, a, a pair of uh, national stories that we thought would be really good for us to discuss, um, and uh, of course we're going to still do uh, Oklahoma news as always. Uh, but as far as uh, national and international news, um, there was just so much going on this week. We kind of just decided we'd do a, 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 a weekly news roundup, if you will, and just hit some of these a little bit rapid fire. So uh, number one, uh, immigration detention to centers are actually happening. And uh, I mean, you know, if you've been on Facebook, if you've been on Reddit, if you've listened to NPR, if you've glanced at a television this week, uh, you have seen uh, terrifying and awful images coming out of South Texas and uh, along the Mexican border uh, with the U.S. of children crying for their mothers. Uh, one of the most powerful ones I saw was a uh, little girl reciting her phone number over and over to the detention centers. But uh, parents being separated from uh, children, even asylum seekers, which is a legal thing you're allowed to do. Um and, uh, you know, this has just been, you know, a heartbreaking series of events. And also, uh, I think, you know, uh, everyone in the show can agree with uh, abolish ICE, ICE's Gestapo, abolish ICE. yeah, uh, yeah. all of those uh, general sentiments. Um, <clears throat> next up, I just wanted to put this on here because I saw some stuff about it this week. Puerto Rico's still on fire, guys. Uh, they're still like, have you seen the most recent numbers about uh, electricity outages? I thought it was still quite a bit like. Uh, no, I, I, homes. I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't, sure. I, I don't remember it right off the top of my head here, but um, there is just still not been federal relief. Uh, they are launching a petition to become the fifty-first state, which would, you know, at least start to, you know, it would at least ele- elevate them to, you know, uh, probably getting some FEMA uh, help sooner rather than later. Uh, Pennsylvania police officer charged in the shooting death of Antoine Rose. Um, I'll be honest, uh, it has seemed like there has been an uptick in um, police officers being charged with uh, behavior that is uh, criminal. And, um, you know, whether that's a change in facts, a change in circumstance, or a change in, you know, prosecution behavior, um, it's at least nice to see these people being held accountable. Uh, Finally, Finally, yeah, after centuries. Yeah, no, I was going to say ever. Speaking of people being held responsible, uh, an Ohio man, and I'm choosing not to put his name in there very purposefully, uh, charged with federal hate crimes related to last year's rally in Charlottesburg, Virginia, including the first-degree murder of Heather Heyer. And uh, super important, um not only like like you know the, what what that basically means from you know a little bit of my own experience what that basically means is that there was a federal prosecutor um who not only thought that they had prosecutional grounds um to get him but they thought that this was such a slam dunk that they could go and hit him with everything this is these are all death penalty qualifying stuff so um we're going to see uh, what happens. Um, you know, the death penalty is very up in the air, but um, this is good. Again, people being held accountable. Yeah, very important. Um, I don't think the show in general is pretty pro-death penalty, but may- maybe in this instance. 
yeah, yeah. That, that, that we, we ha- we'd have to start our own show and begin with philosophy from like, you know, the dawn of time for you and I to ha- have any kind of informed discussion about it because I am like super, super conflicted. Um, yeah. The Justice Department approved Disney's $71 billion bid for 21st Century Fox. So that's going to be next up on this whole um, uh, issue of when um, uh, of of these combination of, you know, super corporations after AT&T and Time Warner's merger. Uh, Comcast is also (laughs) trying to get this bid as well. Free market. Nothing says free market like monopolies. Woo! And like not just monopolies, but like, um, like complete total monopolies. <laughs> like, yeah, just, just total uh, vertical integration. No space for competition. Yeah, that's funny thing. Uh, just a natural dialectical process of capitalism. That's that's what it leads to. You can't any any free market fetishist that is also a capitalist uh this is this is what that looks like in practice the the, the interests are structured that this happens you, you you're an idiot if you support that my asshole fuck you well you know all i have to say is at least they're not ancaps and yelling about how this definitely won't happen if no one's allowed to put a check on the corporations yeah yeah how somehow this is only happening because the government it's like oh this is only happening because the government's proving it it's like well not exactly. tell you something that it's only happening because the government's approving it since it wouldn't otherwise hmm, hmm. <laughs> anyway uh yeah and and i i also want to stress that yeah um every time you ever hear someone say like the phrase like waste or, or anything of that nature uh just remember that that's a 71 billion dollar cash bid um if you really think that that's like a perfect market approximation of uh, what that corporation is worth, then, um, you know, you don't understand anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, next up, uh, Vlad and Donnie. There is a lot of Donnie news this week. He's in a lot of trouble, you know, but he can't keep his fingers out the cookie jar and he's got chocolate all over his face. Uh, Vlad and Donnie uh, are going to be holding another summit on July 16th, and I'm sure it won't have anything to do with the midterm elections, but I don't really give a shit, so... Yeah, thanks, Finland. Good job for, yeah. for letting them do this. Thanks, Helsinki. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one was uh, really sad, and I also, like, I think um, I, on one hand, a discussion of it, like, necessitates, like, saying some things about Donald Trump, but, like, I try not to do that because he's just, you know, it's like discussing Hitler at a certain point. You're just like, yeah, he's a terrible, awful guy who's letting yeah, terrible, awful person. things happen, and we can make fun of him, but it just is like, I don't know. It doesn't feel very like very good praxis. Uh, but, um, five journalists, well, four journalists and a sales tech, uh, were shot and killed at a newspaper office in Annapolis, Maryland. And, um, and, you know, this is an awful thing. Again, it goes to, as we always talk about, you know, gun control and it goes to, you know, you know, rational gun control. We're not anti-gun in any way, but, you know, rational gun control, and also it goes to the fact that there is a major complex problem of um, political discourse in this country uh, surrounding guns and what the solution can be, and also that maybe the president saying that the press are the enemy of the American people isn't a super smart thing for him to do, since that tends to, like, inspire... (laughs) Uh, motherfuckers to go shoot up newspapers. 
Also that, like, maybe the fact that one of the parties, like, the, one of the wings of American politics just thinks that everybody who doesn't go on, on their very specific news programs are trash. Is not I, Don't get me wrong. I love telling people to not mail bags of shit to the Oklahoman, God but that that's not, you know, you know, you should go shoot journalists you don't like. <laughs> maybe. You know, that's kind of where we draw the line. It's just like dunk on them. That's all you need to do. You don't need to kill them. Come on. It's the whole point of free speech. Yeah. And so that was um, not very good. And then did you want to tell us the last uh, last one out of uh, good old uh, Europa? Yeah. Uh, Europe has, has decided they should double down on Fortress Europe and that a lot more people should die when they try to sail across the Mediterranean and that maybe they should open open camps. In, uh, in Africa and the Middle East for people to apply for asylum at. Uh, that That's terrifying. It's really terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it it's is. not good. Well, anyway, that's the end of your weekly news roundup. Like we said, there was a lot that happened this week and we couldn't figure out how we wanted to cover all of it at once. So we decided we just hit you with a little bit of rapid fire news uh, before moving on to our uh, stories. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home. In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned Many a lesson I have learned Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong Way down yonder in the Indian nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born now we're down yonder in the Indian nation The cowboy's life is my occupation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born I'm Adam Burnett, and we're giving you a classic episode this week with just Carl and I. Uh, and this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. Like I said, we got two stories up this week for national news. We're going to discuss uh, all the stuff coming out of the Supreme Court uh, both in the decisions they've been making uh, and in, of course, um, the retirement of Anthony Kennedy. Um, we're going to talk about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's uh, victory in the ha- uh, New York's 14th House District. Before we go and run through all of your election news from Oklahoma this week, as we all know, it's been a big, big, big week in Oklahoma election news. And, for- of course, hitting you with that conservative reading list. So let's... Uh, Let's jump into it. What do you say, Carl? It sounds uh, really great. So, Adam, as our resident legal expert uh, correspondent, if you will, uh, you know, uh, let's let's talk about some of these decisions that are going on. What what are the three the three really big ones uh, that came out this week? Um. So I wanted to start with um, the Supreme Court decision in uh, I'm gonna screw this up nifla versus becara it is the uh decision based around um planned parenthood and um what um the facilities that get federal funding um can do and say within their um doors these these uh clinics. So um, Supreme Court ruled that faith-based crisis pregnancy centers are not obliged to tell women that free or low-cost <clears throat> excuse me, or low-cost abortions may be available elsewhere. Um, 
And so I really want, like, again, I'm going to try and give you guys a little bit of, like, legal analysis in this. And I really hope that everyone understands that I'm not, like, advocating any of this in, like, any broad terms. But what I am trying to do is to, like, explain how the legal arguments are shaped. Because, to be really honest, I find the way that legal arguments around women's rights in this country are shaped to be very despicable. But nonetheless, they are shaped in a way, and I'm going to try and describe it. Um, so basically, they set this up as a fight between your right to know uh, about something versus someone else's right to free speech. And so the um, pregnancy centers in this um, basically set themselves up as saying that they were being compelled by the government to speak. And I think as leftists and, and you know, many broad senses, we can understand that we don't ever want to be compelled to speak. You don't ever want the government to say, you have to say this about that. Um, but at the exact same time, um, there's a difference between being forced to like announce something or like, you know, placate a party, you know, you know, a party line and being, you know, asked to carry pamphlets. Um, and there's also a difference. There's a difference between like being forced to say the Pledge of Allegiance and like, you know, being forced, being forced to provide like information that that could be life saving, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, but that that is very much what this is set up around. Like that is the like the thing that the the tension that was there, and basically. Um, I could walk you through some of the legal tests, but they're all very dumb and they're just logic tests. And it's all, does this, does this legitimate interest match the rational means to accomplish it? And the answer, you know, of all of those things is, is not a legal or a logical answer. It is a political answer. And the five conservatives within the uh, Supreme Court, including Neil Gorsuch, bleh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they made their political decision. Um, and yes, they framed it in a legal framework, but regardless, they made a political decision. And that decision was that an individual's right to know about medical procedures is outweighed by um, the, uh, the uh, prohibition of the government compelling someone to speak. Um, again, whether that's a good idea, um, you know, you, but, but th those were the odds in question and what they decided. Well, and I, th I think it's just indicative of this shit because you have a bunch of laws and a bunch of places where doctors have to say horse shit, like life begins at conception and stuff, which is like very much not a, a thing you know, that, that is supported in any way by science or something, insofar as it's like, you know, people have arguments about that. P doctors can be forced to say that in a bunch of different states and so on. And and then here they make this very, I mean, it is expressly political because they're saying, oh, we're choosing between the free speech rights of, of, of somebody providing a service and somebody who needs medical like needs medical help you know and i'm i'm now honestly uh, before we go into some some of the other things that i want to say about this i'm really afraid that some doc some fucking crank doctor 
like maybe Jill Stein, because Jill Stein was not actually pretty good on this, um, is going to say that for like religious reasons or whatever, they're not going to recommend vaccines to their kids, right? And, and, and that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff is going to rest on this. Um, and then also this whole thing where it's like, it's like, you know, this is one of those things, like we have a bunch of decisions. There's a bunch of stuff where as a private person, it makes sense that you have this right to free speech, right? But then when you're performing a certain function, like what these crisis pregnancy centers do, which is, you know, to try and provide women with support and information, it's like, okay, you all actively dress up like abortion clinics. You all use like a search engine optimization to show up when people look for abortion clinics on Google and things like that. And then you all don't provide this information, you know, and it's like, okay, maybe you all can't do this. Maybe you all, maybe there should be some law that says you all have to, you know, have something on your sign. You have to tell people when you come in, we are not doctors providing a medical service. We are not licensed to do this kind of like, you know, uh, pills, or like uh, vitamin supplements, it should have to say not approved by the FDA. You know, maybe that maybe that would be a thing. But I think it also like fundamentally for me, this this stupid ass decision is just one of those things where if we had the right to healthcare as Americans, not based on need rather than profit, it wouldn't be a thing because what would uh, why would there be crisis pregnancy centers if you could just go to a doctor? You know, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a thing. It's that simple. Yeah, and it's another one of those cases where like women's rights get get put on the fucking chopping block because a bunch of five old men, one of whom is is legitimately a sexual predator and harasser, decide that women, you know, don't need to be told about possibly life saving medical stuff. I'm sorry, I, I have an aunt who died because her priest told her that getting an abortion would send her to hell, and she died in childbirth, and that's all these crisis pregnancy centers are. Places that kill women and deny them information that they need that might be life-saving. It's just disgusting that they did this in the Supreme Court. It's that simple. Yep. Yep. And and uh, I think I think that's a, a very good analysis of it. Um, so to move on, um, no, they, they, the Supreme Court is sitting right now, so all their decisions are coming out. Uh, they heard briefs all through the early part of the summer, and they've been writing. And so they've scheduled all these to come out together. And so a lot of times, uh, Supreme Court decisions, they come out in kind of little blocks, and they come out in kind of little chunks um, all around certain things because they'll kind of do them in – you know, they'll, do, they'll the- do all the First Amendment issues, and then they'll do all the antitrust issues, and then they'll, they'll do all of the probate issues. You know what I mean? What's the difference between a chunk and a block in this context? Could you could you clarify your terminology there for for a second? <laughs> uh, chunk is slightly smaller than a block. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, several chunks make a block. Several blocks make a part. Several parts make a whole. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't Good. ready for that. Okay. No, um, I wasn't. I was not. <laughs> so uh, again, th- so this is another one they came out with is uh, Janice. V, uh, I'm not going to make up this acronym. It's AFSCME, uh, which is a union. Uh, and basically, um, it is a uh, – they ruled that public sector unions are barred from charging agency fees to public employees for whom they negotiate pay increases and benefit bumps if those employees decline to join the union as full members. And again, like I said uh, previously, this is kind of like the same – not – Total idea, but general idea as the um, last um, like decision um, in that uh, most of what this is concerned with is the uh, like the unions 
um, right to be paid for work they're doing on behalf of all of, you know, because like even, you know, if the union is only representing, you know, 80 percent of the like employees, they're still like helping all of the employees because well, and that's, that's the, what unions the, do. That's the whole thing that they struck down because this is important. like a lot of the argumentation on the Janus side is that, oh, he was paying money. He was like a, a some kind of right wing asshole. Um, and he was paying money to a union that was doing political advocacy. And then he said he didn't want the money to go to that, even though the union can't force you to pay for political advocacy. And if how they do their union fee structure, you get a rebate automatically if you decide to not engage in that. So they were basically saying that you can't get paid for the services delivered to the services delivered to you by the union when the union is recognized as representing the workers in the workplace, which is really Again, it's just it's it's boldly political. It's got nothing to do with this guy free speech. It's got nothing to do with any of that because yeah. his money wasn't going to the stuff that was the complaint. Um, which it, it was just it was kind of mind-boggling to me to read through some of that, um, especially because like the the original law that they overturned here said very explicitly that that the point of doing this was to keep labor peace. So. What I take that to mean is that the Supreme Court wants everybody to be on strike twenty four seven now. Like that. Yeah, and, and they're and, endorsing that. Yeah, <laughs> and so basically, yeah, the 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 issue was, yeah, you know, do you allow, um, you know, these individuals to, you know, even though they are not, you know, necessarily, you know, even though they're they're choosing not to be part of the union, you know, they're still benefiting from it, and then therefore they need to pay for that service. Even in a smaller fee, but yeah, the 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 case they overruled in uh, the Abood earlier case, it was a seventy-seven case. I mean, this is this is great. Fundamental free. This is what the court said in this. Uh, but there are stri- very strong reasons in this case. Fundamental free speech rights are at stake. Abood, the previous, the one that uh, they are overruling to have this decision, was poorly reasoned. It has led to practical problems and abuse. It is inconsistent with other First Amendment cases and has been undermined by more recent decisions. Um, developments since Abood was handed down have shed new light on the ag- the issue of agency fees and no reliance interests on the part of public sector unions are sufficient to justify the perpetuation of the free speech violations. Uh, and I mean, that that is the cornerstone of it is that they are saying, you know, at, at no point does does that free speech do, do, do these there is no justification that these unions can give that will um in their minds, justify um, the violation of this free speech, which is a very libertarian way to see everything. Yeah, if I'm being really honest. Yeah, it's it's super ridiculous. I find it, I find it super spurious too, because it's basically <laughs> like like there's specific protections against union money going to political speech you don't agree with. Like that that should be the end of it, you know. You don't you it's you don't get out of paying for the fucking you know fire for firefighters because you don't use them. It's the same idea. It's just like no, you receive the benefits of these things existing. That's why you have to pay. That's the whole and, and it's just. What's I even mean, better? For, what's even better than that is that like there's whole chunks of like legal reasoning that like quantum merit just means how much is earned. And like if if I go and like I accidentally improve your property, I can sue you in quantum Meroit and then just be like, hey, bud, sorry, 
I'm going to charge you for this service that you didn't ask for, but I did the work. So yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Like, like I understand the balancing that's going on and how you're looking at the, 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 the difficulties in like the first amendment, but like as a political, like theory, practical matter, not as a being t- tied to the construction of the constitution matter. Come on. That's not, it's not, it's not, no. Yeah. And it, and it, I mean, it, it really should have been a clear cut thing where it's like, maybe we need to develop these protections more to make sure that the money that people are forced to pay doesn't go towards political ends or something. Uh, but it's, it's a joke. It, it, it basically means you get, it means it makes sense for people to stop paying for unions and still expect the union to do the hard work. That That's all it's about. That's all it's about fundamentally. Oh yeah. Um, and that is a political thing. I mean, if we're being honest, you know, we're socialists, so it's it's a ruling. It's it's the bourgeoisie protecting itself against organized workers. So as it makes sense. There, it's just as is their uh, predilection. Yeah. Um, so finally, we come down to the the third big case decided this week. Trump's, uh, you know, he had to. They had to. They had to take a sharpie and scratch out Muslim ban. But the one that they scratched out Muslim ban on the top of, the Muslim ban that isn't a Muslim ban, uh, they um, the Supreme Court upheld that his executive order banning uh, travel to um, Iran, Libya, North Korea, Somalia, Syria, Venezuela, and Yemen. Um, and North Korea. I said North Korea. You did? Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, it was upheld. Um and again, to describe this in a um, uh, you know legalistic way and not necessarily a, a political way, although it is always a political way, it's just that they we have designed this very interesting regime to not necessarily treat it as entirely political all the time. Um, uh, they took up this case. And so basically, and I was kind of describing Carl this to Carl before the show, but to get into federal court and to get eventually to the Supreme court, you have to allege standing and standing is a not hyper complex, but a little, you know, a little bit necessarily complex, uh, description of, um, how you get into court. Uh, you have to have an injury. In fact, it has to be tra- traceable to you. It has to be redressable by the law. And it, you know, you have to be the right person to do that. And so in this case, they actually ended up binding the right person. But once you get into that place um, with executive orders in this thing, you don't necessarily always focus on the outcome. That is to say that you know, it is in fact a Muslim ban, whether or not they slam North Korea on there because, you know, no one's coming from North Korea to the U.S. So adding them on there is just uh, does nothing to the order, but it makes it appear to not be a Muslim ban. Um, although, you know, you can d- discuss what the, the causes of, uh, you know, banning travel from Venezuela because there is a lot of, you know, stuff going on with um asylum seekers right now and we're probably going to have a court case uh about asylum seekers uh over the winter and be decided next summer as well Um, well and you can also i mean it's also one of those things where it's like okay he said he wanted a muslim ban repeatedly and often this is the thing that went through you know this is the third try it's like okay you know if this were like if there was some kind of single subject law 
on executive orders, it, it's pretty inconceivable that it would be set up like this because, well, it was a Muslim. That was the whole point. That's the whole sell. That's how it's been sold the whole time. Yeah. You know, so it's like, eh, but... Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I definitely um, uh, agree with like that description. Um, it, you know, that is what he has been touting it as, and what he has been holding it out as. Uh, and then, yeah, at the exact same time, the reason the court came down this way is because the way it was finally worded was, you know, the president's allowed to ban entry from other countries under national security interests that is completely within his plenary power and there is no issue with that at all as far as the supreme court is concerned um that being said the thing that they were looking for and the thing that was present in the first two versions of the ban was an impermissible religious test because first amendments incorporated to the federal government to through the 14th and the 14th says people and person not citizen so you can't have a impermissible religious test on outside people or persons. And so that was what they were looking for. And since it wasn't there on purpose and again, sitting in, you know, guising themselves in a, in a legal nature, but making a political decision, um, five conservative justice decided that the statements made by Trump outside the wording of the exact order didn't matter. Yeah. Which sucks. Just sucks. It sucks. It's bullshit and it sucks. That that's the thing. It's fucking crazy. Um but then Adam, I I want you to tell us about uh uh the last big important SCOTUS thing that is a bit different, if you will, this time around. Yeah, so uh um Mr. Anthony Kennedy is retiring. Um, I read a lot of court cases. Um, the fact that, you know, I, I, we, we, we tr I'm going to give you all a little bit of insight in my life. I, we, we try pretty hard on here not to uh, discuss too heavily, um, you know, Russian saber rattling. But the fact that I have to read Supreme Court decisions authored by Neil Gorsuch, appointed by a man who... Uh, you know, it's dubious whether or not he collaborated with a foreign government to uh, install himself as a leader in this country. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little frustrating, but yeah. uh, we're gonna get to do it even more. Um, so Anthony Kennedy is retiring. Uh, he's been a Supreme Court justice for a long time and known as the swing vote. He is the guy who runs right down the middle um, and um, right down the middle relative to the court. That's important. the court yeah. is already pretty right wing. Yes. Um, yes. Um, and even the left in the court is, uh, you know, and that was, you know, you, you, you I, I think, you know, everyone, you know, at least people who haven't read a lot of Supreme Court decisions would be surprised when you go actually reading Supreme Court decisions. Um, how often Scalia and uh, Ginsburg write together? Um, it, it, the, wrote the, together. Yeah. The witch together. is dead. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just – it's it's interesting um, and very different because some of the divisions in the court are very interesting um, in that uh, Ginsburg and Scalia had a very – they both were very, very invested in um, – um, 
legalistic language and fact and and like logic tests. And so they they ended up discussing a lot of that and agreeing with each other in a lot of those instances. But Kennedy Kennedy was, for all intents and purposes, over the last few years, um, the middle of the court, and he was the one who um, was uh, wrote and sided with the liberals. And so, when there were big moments of change in law, um, he was the one who generally uh, wrote those uh, decisions. Um, Obergefell, the case that legalized gay marriage, he wrote that. Uh, and was the swing vote in uh, Roe versus Wade. Um, so again, very you know um, powerful position to be in uh, as a uh, justice. Um, and uh, he is retiring, which means that Mitch McConnell, in his you know, I don't even I don't even really you know again the Donald Trump thing, whatever. I, Mitch McConnell is fully ascended at this point. I mean, the fact that he not only um, is going to go at, go ahead and stole one um, Supreme Court justice, he's going to get two or more. Two. Yeah. Um, it is honestly shocking to me um, in uh, a lot of ways, and I'm kind of blown away by the whole thing. Um, well, I think I think one of the most important things about that is that you know what Mitch McConnell did with Mer and fuck Merrick Garland, like fuck, I did not want another fucking can of mayo to be on the Supreme Court. I'm sorry, I use that as a joke. Because it's more that I don't want another centrist piece of shit Democrat. I would like, you know, I would like, I don't know, uh, an actual progressive to be on the court. Uh, that would be cool. Um, but he didn't do anything illegal. That's the thing, you know. And even if he did, it's too late. It's over now. Neil Gorsuch is a Supreme Court justice. It worked. And that's the thing, you know. That That's the thing we have to come to terms with is that Mitch McConnell did his job. Uh, of, of delivering to the the people who make up the base of his party what they want. Really? Well. And now we're going to see the court. His job. Yeah. And we're going to see the court go far right because of it. And you see all these fucking Democrats and like fucking dumbass Chuck Schumer sitting here saying, oh, no, but you're a hypocrite. They don't give a shit. They're not hypocrites. They're hypocrites in how they explain it, but they're not hypocrites at getting the job done. Yeah. And I don't give a fuck if you're a hypocritical politician in some regards, if you get the fucking job done, you know, like I care if you're a hypocrite about, say, woman's rights or something and you treat women like shit. Sure. OK, but if you're a hypocrite in the logic you use to explain your positions, but you're getting the goods delivered, you know, if you're a hypocrite about saying you want Medicare for all and it doesn't line up with some other position of yours, you know, I, I'll take the Medicare for all. And the same way that Mitch McConnell's voters will gladly take his hypocrisy on the Supreme Court on on the 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 Garland confirmation, and then now whichever fucking Grand Wizard Hog King that Donald Trump is going to nominate, um, his voters are going to take it because that's what matters. It doesn't matter how he explains it; it matters that he gets the goods. And I I, I will say, um, this isn't necessarily. As big a blow as it might seem, um, I am very much of the opinion that Anthony Kennedy was pretty middle of the road um, and, to be really honest, cited a lot 
with the you know he was he 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 sided you know more than eighty percent of the time with the conservatives anyway. Um, I'm and 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 that is on the I mean they all side with each other all the time because there's I mean there's there's probate decisions that are made about statutory construction and shit that that nobody's fighting over that hard and there are you know lots of those kind of decisions that are made that are um, you know not. Uh, made in the same divisional lines of, um, you know, oh, what am I trying to say? Uh, liberal versus conservative. Yeah. And so um, I think that, you know, it's not this horrible death knell, uh, you know, that we, you know, we're not going to have to, you know, necessarily live with this for the next 40 years, although we probably will have to live with them for the next 40 years, since he said he wanted someone who could serve for 30 or 40 years, which means like a 40-year-old person, um, which is insane and terrifying because lifetime positions are like the thing that George Washington fought a revolution to stop, but whatever. Yeah. Well, um, I think it's also, I mean, it's one of those things that for me, you know, Pack the fucking courts. Yeah. FDR that shit. Just say fuck it. It say. does. It takes a simple majority in the House and the Senate to get a literal majority. Uh, they, if you have a simple majority in the House and the Senate and the presidency, you can on January twenty first immediately have a simple majority on the court. You just put ten people on the court. 10 people you like, you just rubber stamp them through, you run on it, and on January 21st, 2021, uh, we could have a slew of progressive judges that decide exactly how they want to immediately because it's all statutory. There's nothing in the Constitution about it. Yep. It, you could literally immediately change this. Yep. And what's really annoying is that Democrats aren't going to do it out of some love for decorum or something. And you well, know, did, did you not know that Chuck Schumer is actually um, going to be picked up as the lead in the uh, remake of The West Wing? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, probably. God, that show just caused brain worms for every. I watched that as a kid so much. I believed it for a while. Then I became an adult. And that's like not a joke. I became an adult. And I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, the problem is that we believe this shit. And so <laughs> they get to just deliver the goods while we get to feel good about ourselves, and then people die. Wow, maybe that's fucked up. The, the other thing about this is that that joke about him being on the West Wing, you know 100% if for some reason the Republicans decide to wait until after the midterms to help like increase voter turnout on their side because this is something conservative voters give a shit about because <laughs> for good reason – in terms of like politically seeing what they want to happen, you know that if somehow the Democrats won and the seat was open, Chuck Schumer would would not just say "fuck you." We're not going to confirm. You get two years without a confirmation. We're yeah. going to leave it open until yeah. until after twenty twenty one. Go fuck yourself. They won't do that, and that's exactly what they should do. There's no question in my mind. If that does happen, if that really does happen, we should be calling like we need to set up a bot that calls every democratic senator and says don't confirm just don't let it sit yeah um and that i think is yeah like a really good point as well because um it's completely possible that that happens um i honestly have no uh, expectations for like decorum in the senate from this point forward it's really awful 
Um, yeah, just, but yeah, I do doesn't... think I, I do think what you said there is, is exactly right and very poignant in this is that you know what? It's time to pack the court. Um, that's a really scary thing. Um, I, I would love to see some kind of term limit. <laughs> um, or at least, like, you know, I mean, I don't know if y'all pay as much attention to the NFL as I do, but they've got really cool, like, option contracts, which I think we should get option term limits for Supreme Court justices and, like, make them be reconfirmed every once in a while. Because that would be really, 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 really awesome and great and, like, not lead to um, my favorite description of... Um, uh, Supreme Court justices I've ever heard is little tyrants. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but anyway, moving on to uh, some good news. Why don't you tell us about some good news out of New York, Carl? Yeah, so uh, this week, um, on Tuesday, just like in Oklahoma, New York had some primary elections. Um, normally, I wouldn't give that much of a fuck about primary elections in other states, but I think we saw something that is super awesome. Um, Alexandria... Ocasio-Cortez, a dues-paying DSA member, 28-year-old uh, Latinx woman who was a bartender like a year ago or something, uh, beat Joe Crowley, the top four House Democrat, um, and also someone who's talked about as being possibly the speaker after Nancy Pelosi, uh, by 15 points. She creamed him by 15 points. He had served 10 terms. He was a 10-term incumbent the fourth most powerful Democrat in the House, and she murdered him. <laughs> just just wiped the floor with him. It's really funny. Like, uh, I saw some tweet about it, you know. Uh, everybody's like, oh, yeah, this seat is super secure, you know. There's no, it's not even going to be a close race. And that was true. It was not a close race. Just the opposite direction everybody thought. Um, and it's, it, it, it's a serious... A serious amount of hope for me came whenever I read that. There, there were two things I got really hopeful about on Tuesday. We're going to talk about the other one later, so I'm not going to say it right now. I think it's obvious. Um, but the fact that somebody who ran on an explicitly socialist platform who said, we need to abolish ICE, we need to have health care for all, who says stuff like, no, it's morally offensive that people are still poor in America, you know, like socialism means that no one lives in poverty in America in the 21st century. Somebody could run on that and win is really cool. Um, and she's basically going to get rubber stamped come November because the, the district is like voted like 85 percent for Hillary Clinton or something ridiculous. So there's really no way around that. Um and, you know, I think there are a couple lessons to be learned from this that I just want to say. Um, first lesson, just, it takes a bunch of hard work uh, to get elected. You know, I've read a bunch of stuff about this. Apparently, Joe Crowley just thought that fundraising really well was going to be enough. He raised, he outraised her 10 to 1. Jeez. Um, Jeez. Yeah. So it was, it was $300,000 versus $3.4 million, and she beat him. Um, wow. And the thing there was was fucking pounding the pavement. It was going door to door. Um, another important thing I think we have to take from this. Uh, she apparently did a pretty good job on focusing on getting voters out that weren't likely voters, right? A lot of how campaigns work is you find people that are likely to vote and you try to convince them to vote for your candidate. And what they did here is they, they found voters that were likely to vote for her but not that likely to vote. And they focused on getting them excited and getting them turned out. 
And that's an important thing in today's America in today's America because if you just look at turnout numbers, people don't fucking vote. Nobody votes because nobody does shit for them. No politician feels like they're actually gonna deliver the goods. And, and she, she went around. I mean, she. Or, I mean, I mean, you know, <clears throat> talk about a, a a policy agenda that is, you know, a carbon copy of what you and I would approve of. I yeah. mean, her her whole thing is. I, uh, you know, single payer healthcare for all, reducing of American imperialism, uh, helping education, uh, abolish you know. ice, yeah, exactly, all, all yeah. the stuff, everything. It's amazing. It, it, yeah, hope. Yeah, and it and it worked, and it really worked. Um, Are you there? Uh oh. Uh oh. Carl! Okay, are you there? Hey, you hear me? Yeah. Disappeared. Yeah, my laptop decided to be a bitch. Um, uh, we gonna roll back into it? Yeah. I don't remember what the last thing you said was, though. Um, I was talking about, like, oh, another important thing. Another important lesson, I think. Alright, well, we're still recording. Okay. Uh, so, an another important lesson, I think, that we all need to take from her campaign is, is probably... Something that I don't think a lot of us like. I know I don't like it that much in, in one sense, but we're gonna have to be okay with working with groups that aren't necessarily on our side. We gotta build coalitions. The DSA played a very important role in her victory, and we can't downplay that, but it was also indivisible. It was also our revolution. It was other people coming along. And I fucking love purity politics as much as the next person, but purity politics aren't gonna fucking... End baby jails, you know? Um, end, end baby jail. I think that might be my new slogan. I might get a bumper sticker made. <laughs> you should. We were actually – I was at the like uh, keep families together protest here in town yesterday. It's weird. It's weird. This is a strange tangent, but go with it. It was weird. Uh, this is really Christian and religious. It's, it's strange. But one of the things we chanted was like end baby jails. Um it's like that, that was a pretty winning political thing. It um, really sucks that when uh, Germany doesn't have <laughs> soccer to celebrate, they're just like, "We'll go in the go in the streets and chant anything." No, the, the one was happy about going in the streets. It's it's an official week of mourning. Okay, <laughs> now that the tangent is just fully off, we we have gone from like fucking I forty four, and we somehow ended up on I ten in Houston. <laughs> um, don't know how we got there, but uh, back to Acacia Ortez, Cortez. So we got to do that, you know, and, and that's one of the, I think it's really important that we do that. And I understand that there are a lot of people that don't like, don't like electoralism. And I have a lot of problems with electoralism as well, but fundamentally what this represented was hope. And that's what it, that's what we should take it to mean. Mm -hmm. Massive, deep hope. 
you know? Well, speaking of even more hope, do you want to tell us uh, all about what happened in Oklahoma? Yes, yes, Oklahoma, or uh, I don't, fuck you, Stephen Colbert, for doing Oklahoma. I wanted to do that. We already did the Oklahoma, though, so he got the joke from us. That's show canon now. Um, heard it here first, guys. Stephen Colbert, avid listener of Red Star over Oklahoma. Uh, oh, God, now we are going to be sued. <laughs> um, SQ, uh, State Question 788, which, you know, if you listened to us last week, yeah, I, you know, we're, we're about it. it. It won by insane margins, right? Uh, okay, insane margin. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that is pretty high. 17 points is pretty fucking big. Um, the turnout for SQ78, which was the highest turnout for anything on the on the ballot, was higher than the actual midterms in 2014. and was also higher than the presidential primaries in 2016. It's like, if we get something on the ballot like that, people show the fuck up. You know what Ooh. I mean? Um, there's also a bunch of good news to say about 788. Um, they're not, uh, Mary Fallon is not going to call a special session to, to do away with it. Um, <laughs> oh, she wanted to though. Oh, she, was she like, wanted to it was 16. It was a 16 point lead. She would have called the special session. Yeah. They would have been all up in that shit. But then they were like, Oh fuck. <laughs> We, if we run a special session while so many people are going into uh, primary runoffs, we will get fucked. Um, and they, they made the very wise decision to leave it. So you can go on to, uh, the, I think it's O-M-M-A dot O-K-S-D-H dot org or dot gov rather. I don't know for sure, but it, the health department, the state health department has a website up about it and like. You should technically be able to buy medical marijuana in August. Like, that's just how it is. That's the situation right now, which is really cool. Um, it, it's a great victory for everybody involved. Good job, team. Um, also, go smoke pot. Um, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, 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 hold on. Let me just say a couple notes. I... Go, go talk to a doctor. Make sure you get <laughs> licensed. Because, um, you know, not saying that the police will be angry, but they're definitely not letting anyone off the hook. No. Uh, no. <laughs> on top of that, uh, and this is one of the things I wanted to bring up, um, because, you know, on one hand, while this is, you know, good – in the sense that, like, people, like, I have a really good friend who I went to high school with who her kid has seizures. And you know what helps it? Pot. It's the only thing that'll stop it uh, from being really bad. And um, I definitely feel for them. And it's really great that they can finally get their daughter the medicine she so rightly deserves. Uh, that being said... Um, I want everyone to be, you know, nice and careful, go about it the right way, and also know that as far as the federal government is concerned, you can't have a medical marijuana license and own a firearm. Uh, I actually spoke uh, with a friend of mine um, who is a who is uh, in the gun industry, and he um, was uh, talking with me about the fact that. Um, 
basically there is a form given by the ATF. I have a lot of things to say about the ATF, but I'll go into them some other time. Uh, but the basically this form um, it says that you have to you have to say if you have uh, a medical marijuana prescription, and if you do, um, you're not allowed to get an ATF license, and um, that can be a consideration for people because this is you know still federally illegal, and um, you know you need to be aware of that um, because if you're not. You know, you are giving up certain rights when you choose to do this. And it is still not, you know, completely legal yet. So we need to be careful. And one last thing on that, which also matters a lot, actually. Um, <laughs> you can 100% still be fired by your boss for smoking pot. You have essentially, um, you have protection. You cannot be fired for smoking marijuana off the job explicitly or for possessing a medical marijuana card. But because Oklahoma's at will employment, as long as you can't really affirmatively prove that your boss fired you for smoking medical marijuana off the job, you are fucked. So watch out for job stuff too. Um, mm -hmm. you, you, you do not have the protections that you think you have. Um, I do want to say a few more things about it, just about, like, uh, kind of the map. Um, it's really funny, because this is just, like, a thing um, that happened with basically all the electoral maps uh, this election cycle, is that the combined... So, so, like, there are three different levels of city in the U.S. as defined by the Census Bureau. There's the city proper, there's the metro policy area and then there's the combined statistical area which includes excerpts uh the metro just includes suburbs um and if you look at a map of sq 788's uh supporting the counties it's basically a map of the combined statistical areas for oklahoma city and tulsa um which is really good because it turns out that's where most oklahomans live right um and it passed in Oklahoma County, Tulsa County, Cleveland County, uh, all with over 60%. So, you know, it's good to see that the cities in Oklahoma are showing up for the right stuff. Um, yeah, so what do we want to go on to uh, Governor? Yes, Governor. Uh, on the Democratic side, uh, pretty boring. Um, Drew Edmondson blew Connie Johnson out of the water. Um, I, I, I know where my sympathies lay in the race um they were maybe not with the old political blue blood um you, you could read that how you want to <laughs> um but i mean he blew her out of the water and that's what we expected for a lot of reasons um we'll see how he does come november i'm i don't know how do you feel about him being the the democratic challenger adam uh you know i'm gonna have to really work on my Todd Lamb jokes because um, Drew Edmondson ain't gonna win it. I think we have a really inspired left wing right now um, and I think that it is really really being held back by the party that is supporting Drew Edmondson. I think that if we were to really if Oklahoma 
was to decide to be a uh, you know more radically left place. I think that we would be amazed at the welcome we would get, and I think we would also be amazed at um, just how beneficial it would be. Um, and I think I, I think there's also a lot of that. I think there's a lot of it with a lot of it is stuff we have to change. You know, we got to change. I'm sure most of us have friends group friend groups that are like relatively diverse politically you know what i mean um like i'm sure everybody knows has some trump supporters in the family and then some like pretty mainline libs and i think i don't i don't know do, do you think this is true adam that like a bunch of people in oklahoma on the left don't think that oklahoma is as ready as it might actually be you know kind of just assume that oklahoma is a lot more right wing than it actually is because i feel like that's true and I, think, I feel like there's a lot of bet hedging that goes along with that. Yeah, I think that that, though, is something that plagues um, outside um, uh, outside discussion in all forces. I think that, I think that uh, there is – oh, shit. At least for me, a lot of – you know, the, the, the praxis tells me that, you know, it's always – it's never going to be the right time. We're always going to have to go up against something that is vehemently opposed and directly opposed to the things we want to get done. Um, you know, oil interests in this state never, ever, ever are going to be like, oh, yes, putting in, um, you know, wind energy is going to be great for us. Th that's not how their interests lie. And if we're really, you know going to be a, a you know it's always going to be a fight and i think that that kind of thing that kind of he bet hedging totally goes on and additionally it just doesn't it doesn't help us any. we don't um we don't move forward when we do that because it just um kind of makes us weaker uh because it's never going to be an easy fight it's never going to be the right time nothing's ever going to be perfect we just got to start. And I think that when you go, well, in three more years, we're going to have the coalition, right? No, no. You got to make it today. And I think once, that's one of the great things DSA does. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also important to remember, too, that, you know, it's fucking Oklahoma, okay? You got to run the left candidate because do you really think that the motherfucking centrist Democrat is going to necessarily do better? I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason to not just try and do it. It's the exact same thing with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I have this kind of reverse view of centrists because the centrists always say, oh, don't run a progressive, uh, don't run to the left of, of somebody in a primary so that they could save money for the general. And it's like, no, if it's a safe district, you should run more to the left. And then centrists also say, oh, you need to run to the center in a, in a district where you're probably not going to win so that maybe you can win. No, fuck that. Just fuck it. Run run to the left because if you're probably going to lose anyways why not get somebody out there saying that stuff um that's what uh, i wish that had happened on the democratic side for the governor's race i think that did happen for the corporation commissioner primary and i would be really excited to see ashley nicole mccray go through um she almost won outright and i, I really hope she goes through and is on the november ballot because i think that'll be really powerful to have somebody as like left wing as her uh and with a good activist base that would be really great um but yeah, so that's that's the Democratic side. Um, I just want to like weave this in for like a hot second, just because I think it, it's important to say. Um, sadly, Joe Exotic did not win uh, the Libertarian, 
primary, but more importantly, the libertarian primary had like, and, and, and this is the thing, libertarians are always like, oh, you know, we're like into social rights, but you know, we're socially liberal and economically conservative. They couldn't turn out 4,000 people whenever <laughs> Oklahoma legalized medical marijuana. Like libertarians are not a meaningful political force. They, they literally don't mean anything. They, they don't. How They're, dare you? They are utterly irrelevant. Um, I have had, I I, I have had pisses this. that are more relevant than the Libertarian Party in Oklahoma. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the 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 Republican primary, where probably whoever is going to end up being our next governor was decided, especially with Drew Edmondson having won the Democratic primary. Um, you know, don't get your Todd Lamb jokes ready, Adam, because Todd Lamb did not advance. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. He he is a has run. Mick Cornette. Mick Cornette and Kevin Stitt um came out on top with Kevin's the same... tit. <laughs> Kevin Kevin's tit. Oh, yeah. why didn't we think of that in the in the primaries? I tried, but I always get overruled. <laughs> but yeah, that's how. Sorry, you you edit, Adam. You produce. <laughs> you don't you don't come here. <laughs> um. But yeah, they're they're running against each other. It's the same thing actually as medical as, as seven eighty eight. If you look at the map, uh, Mick Cornett won the OKC combined statistical area, and Stitt won the Tulsa combined statistical area, and Lamb won everything except for uh, I think it's the Floor County, it's the Floor Sequoia County in the far southeast, um, where Dan Fisher, the uh, kind of person who gets uh, people shot at abortion clinics, uh, won that county. Um, but again, the the cities decided the election, and now we've got Trumpy. I normally don't vote, and my children tell me my policy decisions. Kevin Stitt uh, versus Mick. Actually, I kind of did pretty good for the metro, and relative to the the norm for Oklahoma politics, maybe I'm not that bad, even though I'm still a terrible person. Cornette. Um, that'll be fun. I'm really excited to see what happens there, because basically, I don't know. To me. Like, we saw that the establishment Republican Party's dead, you know? Because that's what Todd Lamb was. And now it's like either Trumpist or some people that are really tacking to the center because they're deeply, because they, they get that it just doesn't work anymore. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see how that, that works out. Um, just some, some other small notes. There's a bunch of stuff that's still going to the runoff in on August 28th, so everybody get ready to vote for that. Uh, we'll do some more coverage when that comes up soon. Um, you know, that's what, two months away, Adam, is it? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Well, um, maybe, so is that... Eh, about two months. Yeah, about a bit less than two months. Um, so everybody, uh, stay tuned for that, and remember, you, basically everybody needs to go vote again. Um, yeah. This is actually, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, it really is important that we all go vote um, on this one because there are, and you'll look it up, I'm not going to do endorsements at least right now again. You all could probably guess why I'm saying that, but, you know, at this point in this part of the episode. So go look. Go go get ready, everybody. Um, I think that's all the election news we wanted to cover. All right. Are you ready to do a conservative reading list? Yes, uh, we are about to have um, a fun 
fun little piece of joy I'll, from I'll, I'll, I'll let you all know yeah yeah the Oklahoma editorial board uh, is uh, yeah um, they have actually stopped printing a newspaper um, they are actually completely barricaded in their office now they know that the streets are running <laughs> red with human blood um, people are eating other people's faces it's uh, <laughs> uh, some have described it as LA on a regular Wednesday um, so uh, they are not going anywhere that they don't expressly have to which means that they're having to take uh, they're getting Postmates from uh, McDonald's just delivered straight to the office I mean it, it's, it's really impressive just, just how, how terrified they are now that Reaper Madness has taken control of the state you know they were right they warned us <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, All right, get into it. Yeah, so so this article is called Many Decisions Await on Oklahoma Marijuana Oversight. It was published today, uh, Sunday, July 1st. As always, I'm going to link to it in the Reddit post. Go check out the Reddit post. It's good. It's good. Um, right. They have a photo of Mary Fallon looking either stoned or confused. Uh, probably confused. Going to go with Maybe stoned. I don't know. Her daughter seems like somebody who smoked pot. Maybe she was growing some weed actually in her trailer on the uh, on the governor's mansion's lawn. Um, but they they start off. Passage of state question 788 means medical marijuana is legal in Oklahoma. It's up to lawmakers and regulators to ensure the law lives up to its uh, scare quotes medical billing. This is the first time <laughs> we have done one of these where the first paragraph, the whole first paragraph that I remember was not like, okay, this sounds good. Because they have to put the fucking medical in scare quotes, right? <laughs> so oh, stupid. Um, and then they uh, follow up with some more doozies. Among the most pressing concerns, lawmakers must ensure the ban on smoking in public places is preserved and that employers are able to enforce drug-free workplaces, both of which are not legal concerns in the state of Oklahoma. It is illegal to smoke in most public spaces. Like You don't know that. It's, there are specific regulations that do not explicitly ban tobacco, but explicitly ban any kind of smoking in the majority of public spaces already on the books. Not a problem. Just not a problem. And then also, like we said earlier, you could just fire people for no reason in Oklahoma. It's not a problem. Literally not a problem. Um, but that's kind of going to set the tone here. <laughs> kind of? Um, kind of. Definitely, definitely entirely will set the tone here. Uh, they continue. SQ 788 says no qualifying conditions are required to obtain medical marijuana. A loophole begging to be exploited. Begging. Um, importantly, it does say a doctor has to give you medical marijuana. So, so a doctor does have to approve it. You can't just go to a store. Um, <laughs> something they seem to forget. I don't know. Every time I've read stuff by them on the topic, it just seems like they, one, have no understanding of the Oklahoma policy environment, policy and legal environment, nor have they read State Question 788. You like, that's just... They could. They could have read it, but it was 600 pages. They didn't want to, <laughs> so they just assumed. <laughs> anyway, keep going. Yeah. Um, Lawrence Pasternak, an Oklahoma State University professor, has suggested a better approach approach would be to require a, quote, qualifying condition defined as, quote, a painful or debilitating medical condition for which there have been controlled, randomized studies published in peer-reviewed medical journals with an impact factor of 2.0 or greater, 
showing an improvement in symptoms of at least 20% with a p-value of 0.05 or better. I love making up words and phrases. <laughs> Just well, random shout thrown at the wall. I, I also, like, I don't, I don't know if you notice this, but do you notice what they're actually doing here? Because what they're doing here is saying, like, what this Lawrence pastor suck my fucking dick chode lord professor is saying is that we should just make it really hard for a condition to be approved for medical marijuana because it's hard to research something that's federally illegal <laughs> this is these are brain geniuses you can't you can't tell them just, what to do it's just it's just rat fucking they just write about rat fucking i don't know <laughs> if you looked at their fucking web history of the oklahoman editorial board you would find so much fucking Rule 34 porn of like the mentor of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they just like watching rat fucking. That's all they like to do. I don't know if that's <laughs> But I guess we'll roll with it. <laughs> well, he's a rat. The, well, I think he's a rat, but... It's a joke because rat fucking. <laughs> okay. I'm proud of that. That one goes down as top five jokes ever. Um, back to the article. <laughs> That would authorize only marijuana use with proven medical benefit, automatically adjusted in response to new research. Pasternak also suggests limiting marijuana sales to products with high canna cannabidoil oil to tetrahydrocannabinol ratios. Uh, that's CBD and THC, respectively. THC is the main psychoactive ingredient in marijuana, and CBD counteracts some of THC's psychotropic effect. Thus, strains with high levels of CBD and low levels of THC are more likely to be used for medical purposes than recreational use. It's just all a runaround <clears throat> to like I, I I mean, you know whatever. Like I I don't. I, the, 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 this is just an old dumb argument, and like this is also like I mean if you know I I have actually like not like a lot of good things about to say about. Um, doing stuff like uh, making, you know, predicating things around um, like medical treatment when I really just think you can make things, you know, legal and then, you know, tax the shit out of them and also, you know, use some of that tax money to provide for, uh, you know, helpful things like, you know, I don't know, uh, treatment Schools? for, well, <laughs> and, and treatment for addicts and yeah, yeah. access to mental health care. And, you know, you know, if you're so terrified about addicts everywhere, then why don't you, you know, not punish them, but instead provide them a easy road out of addiction. Uh, like but medical instead, marijuana. <laughs> instead we're going to go ahead and throw this huge fucking, heavily regulated bullshit around it. So that if you ever slip through one of these, cracks that the Oklahoma editorial board is trying to rip into the floorboards, then they can get you again. Yeah. Well, I think this is also a thing. I'm all for legalizing it too and putting a super high tax on it. But part of the thing with medical marijuana is like the, you know, the, the children with seizure seizures that need it should yep. be paying for that syntax, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And what they're basically trying to do is say, nah, he, 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 he. it's is just fucking stupid. Was that exactly what they were trying to say? Or do you yeah. Okay. Word for word. Um, I was actually reading the articles. <laughs> um, they continue. Regulators will need to impose stringent product oversight and tracking. In Canada, government regulators have found medical marijuana samples treated with a banned pesticide, microbutanil, which produces hydrogen cyanide when heated. That's a problem for something people plan to set on fire and inhale. I wonder 
if, if regulations in the market might be important, Oklahoma editorial board, or, or is that normally not? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I did say I don't like calling out people for hypocrisy earlier today because I don't think it means anything, but it's a newspaper. It's not a politician. They're supposed to be actually good. <laughs> I don't think you understand what they're trying to accomplish. <laughs> yeah. No, they're just really mad. And they have to publish something because fucking Harold Ham paid them a shit. Harold Ham and like the 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 uh, American Medical Association and some like pharmaceutical companies paid them a shit ton of money to post a bunch of editorials going against SQ seventy eight seven eighty eight. And it turns out they have no fucking control at all over our society. They're just deeply irrelevant. Um, <clears throat> but let's keep reading. <laughs> Similarly, officials have found marijuana from illegal pot form. Pop farms in California are treated with carbofurin, a pesticide illegal in the United States. Carbofurin is powerful enough that a quarter teaspoon of concentrate can kill a 300-pound bear. Bald fear-mongering. Uh, not only that, here's what I love about that. Do you know what happens if a little bit of fentanyl gets on your hand? You well, yeah, die. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, I love that they're like, uh, yeah, there's this uh, chance that this, this, this pot might have a little bit of pesticide on it. But also, there are, like, reported cases of, like, cops picking up packages that used to have fentanyl on them with bare hands and then having ODs. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> well, like, that's... actual facts in reality or just fear-mongering <laughs> and lies? Let's, let's keep that in mind uh, on the next paragraph and see if we can't connect the two. Um, the two-year license for marijuana makes little sense and should be revised. Regular follow-up appointments with medical doctors should be required to monitor dose, frequency, and adverse reactions, which can include hallucinations, delusions, and par paranoia, as well as making schizophrenia symptoms worse. When have they ever done that about the opioid crisis? When have they ever called out the opioid crisis for that? Because they haven't. They haven't called for more regulation in and that the, regard. The even, the even better one is... is what about every antidepressant commercial that the very first side effect is, is if this, if this pill makes you feel suicidal, call 911 immediately. Yeah. It's like, what? How, how do you have a problem? You don't have a problem with like three quarters of this, but you've got a problem with like, <laughs> the, the, oh, oh, this one's going to be the one that does it. Oh, here we are. This is a problem. Jeez. Fucking reefer madness, man. God. God. Okay, let's keep going, huh? Yeah. Um, those with a medical marijuana card who grow their own plants under the law should be subject to regular inspection and oversight. A valid regular... This is someone system. who believes... This was written by someone who believes that no one should be able to enter their home at any time, and if they ever do, even if they are a law officer following a warrant, that they should be able to shoot them. And this they is, are like, <laughs> if you grow a plant, you should be able to have your house burned down by the government. This is also someone who, you know, a group of people that doesn't think that the earthquakes that are, like, destroying homes in Oklahoma require regular inspection and oversight at the causes, you know? Someone, people that have argued for that. Because <laughs> they're scum. Because they're <laughs> terrible people. Um, they, they continue. A valid regulatory system will require substantial funding, so lawmakers should impose appropriate licensing fees. Otherwise, the state will have to divert money from schools, roads, and public safety. What they forgot to mention here again, lies. Just lies. Like, literal lies. That The State Department of Health makes a regulatory system that includes this stuff 
so that the this shit is funded. Like that's it. That's how that's how it's already going to work. That's what the State Department of Health is already doing. We don't need the legislature to do it. Oh, okay. I'm I'm sorry. I'll take a breather. Pretty mad. Um, but continuing along, we got three paragraphs to go. Um, lawmakers also should allow local municipalities and counties to impose additional regulation of marijuana. We've long advocated for granting similar flexibility to municipalities when it comes to tobacco use. And, okay, I, I want to say it like this, right? Oklahoma has some dry counties. A lot of those stopped being dry counties during the primary, actually, because there were a bunch of votes on that. Um, and I would totally be okay with this argument if it were just, like, recreational marijuana. I don't think it should be like that, but I, I could understand it here. But this is, like, you do still have to go to a doctor, you know? And what they're saying here is that if you live in fucking, I don't know, some county in Beaver County where they voted the most heavily against it in the whole state, that a child should not be able to get their medicine because two fucking old guys that, like, probably were around when they invented racism don't want, you know, medical marijuana to be a thing that you have to drive through, you know, two hours to eat it to purchase. Like, this is not recreational weed this is a disgusting thing to say here and it literally saying people you know if somebody said counties should be able to decide if if chemo is legal in their county limits it would be ridiculous and that's what they're arguing for um <laughs> but they continue in it's just it's just fucking stupid yeah. and they continue in the same vein along those lines lawmakers should let counties opt out of marijuana in Colorado, which has some of the nation's most lax marijuana laws but allows county option, 39 of its 64 counties have taken advantage. Voters in 42 of Oklahoma's 77 counties oppose SQ 788. County option would respect their views without thwarting the will of voters everywhere, but elsewhere. But it's just, that's the thing. It's fucking stupid. Um, and they wrap it up. These are just a few of the issues that must be fleshed out. While proposed health department regulations have begun addressing some concerns, much diligence is required to achieve a credible, fun functional medical marijuana program in Oklahoma. And that's the kicker. The health department is already doing the work that they want done. It's, it's like literally not a problem. It's, yeah. it's genuinely a waste of column space. Yeah, it's just fear-mongering for fear-mongering's sake. But hey, they, they managed to spell most things correctly, and they put a comma between credible and functional before medical marijuana, so they almost figured out how to do adverb or adjectives. <laughs> they, Pretty they did. intense, if you ask me. Well, um, I saw that, unfortunately, we don't have any socialist events this week, but it's a hot one out there, so everyone enjoy your 4th of July celebrations, however you choose to celebrate that. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, as always, you can check us out on Twitter where Carl might be retweeting things. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but we will see. Um, uh, also, you can check us out on the subreddit, our Red Star over Oklahoma. We'll have a bunch of information up there that is from uh, this week's episode. Always, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes, Red Star over Oklahoma. You can shoot us a comment, complaint. Question, concern, story idea, someone you'd like us to interview, whatever you want at redstaroverok at gmail.com. And as always, tell your friends about us and rate and review us on iTunes. See you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.